and welcome to the Pixel Podcast, the educator podcast that talks about passion, innovation, X-Factor, enthusiasm, and leadership in education. I'm your host, Ryan Reed, and welcome to our second episode. Before we get started, I want to thank our listeners who have made the episode, uh, the first episode a hit. If you're enjoying listening to the Pixel Podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. So today, I'm very excited to introduce our first guest star to the Pixel Podcast. He is a 38-year uh, veteran of education and has served 23 years as principal. He has worked in urban and suburban, elementary to middle school, and from public to private school. He is currently serves as the principal of Gatewood Elementary over in Hopkins, Minnesota Public School System. And he recently co-authored a book with uh, which is known as Principles in Action with Jay Posick and Ryan uh, Sheely. Uh, please welcome the incredible, the amazing, and almost around great educator, Mark French of the Pixel Podcast. Mark, hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you so much for uh, being with us here on the second episode. Uh, I, was, I was hoping, and all of a sudden you said, oh, I'd love to do it. I was like, what? You would? Okay. Hey, we got to get this set up and going. <laughs> so, so the biggest question is, you know, after our little introduction here, um, really, what brought in you into education to begin with, Mark? It's interesting because there is a defining moment for me. It happened in high school. One of our classes allowed us to go to our local elementary school and be a volunteer. I volunteered in Mr. Bernard's fourth grade classroom. And I thought he had the greatest job. It was fun working with the students. He looked like he was enjoying it. And so as a junior in high school, I knew I wanted to be an elementary, edu- an elementary education major to be an elementary education teacher. Wow, what a great story. That's amazing. Me, it, t- it took a couple of years in healthcare, but uh, my biggest one was my old fifth grade teacher, uh, Deb Larson. She kind of the one who kind of turned me on education. I kind of swayed away from in high school because of a math teacher. So I kind of avoided that. But you, you know, you had the inspiration and you just jumped right on there. So what, um, you know, you went into the classroom, you became the education fourth grade, but what led you later to becoming a principal where you are now? I think for me, It was the belief and the idea that I wanted to have a a bigger impact. I liked being a classroom teacher. I enjoyed my students and families, but I had aspirations and a desire to make an impact on a larger scale, which moving from a classroom teacher uh, was logically was uh, building assistant principal, and then a principal. How many years did you uh, spend as assistant principal before you moved on to uh, principal? Some go several years and some kind of just make that leap immediately. I served one year as an administrative intern in one elementary building, and then I was hired to be an assistant principal. And I did that for a year before I was hired first as an interim principal in a building then I became their full-time principal because the person I was replacing took a job as an assistant superintendent. 
Oh, and then there you came in and you've, of course, I know you've been enjoying it ever since. Um, so one thing that we talk about here on the Pixel podcast is Pixel is actually an acronym. It stands for Passion, Innovation, X Factor, Enthusiasm, and Leadership and Education. You've definitely talked about, I've, you know, Mark, I've known you a few years. I've, you know, been through your Twitter and Facebook and you definitely bring all those factors into it. But what do you believe are some of the ways to show these features each day? I mean, you're in a principal's um, role, rather a classroom teacher or an instructional coach. So how are you bringing up that, you know, passion, innovation, X factor, and of course, enthusiasm, which I see every day, and of course, your leadership and education? It's a good question. I, you referenced the book, Principles in Action, Redefining the Role. I was introduced to the group and sort of the philosophy a few years ago. Uh, I joined a boxer group that was started by Adam Welcome. And the, the idea was to redefine the role, to look at being a principal differently. I was not the kind of principal who wanted to sit and wait in the office, uh, wait for things to come to me, generally negative things or problems or challenges to solve. But Principles in Action is about being out of your office and making connections, developing the relationships, being a role model. And so that's how I that's how I keep the enthusiasm and the motivation and the energy as much as I can. It's important to be out. I try to model that by being out at arrival in the morning. I want to be on the playground, in the cafeteria, in classrooms, in the hallway. So that's, that's what sort of inspires me and uh, motivates me to keep the learning going. That's actually a really important piece. I mean, I've worked in schools. I mean, I've been doing this for about almost nine, uh, actually officially nine years in education. I've uh, worked in four different schools, but I've worked ones where the principals were like you. They showed up in classrooms. They were heavily involved. Uh, my first principal during my internship days, Nathan was his name. And I mean, he'd be everywhere. He'd be in the cafeteria. He'd be out greeting people on the bus. You know, he'd stop by the library, talk to the groups. He some he one time shadowed me saying, you know, Ryan, I want to see what your internship process is. And I looked at him like, wait, you want to do what? And he just, he wanted to be very involved. Um, I worked another one where the principal actually taught classes. So he was still involved with the students' lives. He couldn't really stop by the classrooms as like. And my current principals, you know, they do stop by. Our superintendent loves to stop by too in classrooms to see how we're doing and you know, what the kids are doing. I had my principal stop by yesterday. It was actually, I was very happy she came and she was wondering how my new computers were, what we were doing for a unit test. So she was very happy and stopped. And I, I'm the kind of guy that's liked it when principals are just, you know, not hollowed up in the office. You know, I've unfortunately heard stories from friends of mine, other educators where they maybe saw their principal in the morning when they came in like everybody else or faculty meetings, or maybe they saw him for a quick school event. Otherwise, sometimes the kids were just like, I'm going to the principal's office. I don't even know what he looks like. I'm kind of scared. I mean, how, how do you, you know, how, how does it, you know, what is it trying to get out of an office? Cause I know some principals, they want to leave the office, but their biggest problem is there's so much work. There's phone calls, there's parents, there's events. I mean, graduation's a nightmare. And of course, then you lead into teacher evaluations. It's sometimes it's just very hard to get out of the, out of your office and really into the uh, learning environment for everybody. You, you have to plan for it. Um, I have said more than once, you know, having the best intentions of getting out, uh, going to read, being on the playground isn't enough. I actually have to put it into my schedule. I block out uh, blocks of time throughout the month 
and I read to all of our classes in school. I block out times for completing an observation and time right after to write it up. I block out times to be on the playground and in the cafeteria. So I think, yeah, you have to make it a priority. You have to schedule it. Um, another thing that you have to overcome is you, you have to overcome that, that voice inside that is sort of nagging you. Oh, I better do this. Um, I've got to get this done. I think that during the hours that students are in the building and staff are there, that it's my priority to be out and be visible and be with them. Can I always do that? No, I, I have things to do and messages to return and meetings to go to, but I think those hours are critical to make connections and build relationships. Saying that I go in early, I can get a couple hours of work done before anyone else is there. Um, you can stay after and, and do things in the evening. So you have to make it a priority and you have to find ways to get it into your schedule. And I think it's really important. I mean, something I do, I mean, when I was an, when I was a technology director administrator, that's what would happen to me. But sometimes I would just, you know, come down the classrooms and so forth. And people looked at me like, don't, don't you have like things to worry about? Wi-Fi breaking down, Chromebooks that repair. I said, I've done those. I've done them early. And yes, I do have some, but I would like to actually get to know what you need and so forth. One thing that happened to me, several of my schools, they always said, I seem to be available. They didn't understand why, because our their previous tech people just were there when they were needed. And I said, well, I wanted to make myself available. I wanted a relationship with the staff and the students helping and working. So, but it, it, I had to make that time. And some days, you know, I couldn't do it. I, I remember one time I had a schedule so full. I'm just like, I'll be lucky if I see the uh, lunchroom sun when I go out to lunch later, because I don't know how I'm going to get out. And I know that happens. I mean, something I know, um, Ryan, uh, Ryan's talked about in his book and his, I've seen his uh, conferences here in Chicago, but you know, he's talked about, pro, you know, making it a priority for things. And it's right. Sometimes it's, it's hard to do. It is, but there's, there's a great benefit. I also share that by being out of your office and visible and present in other areas, I do a whole lot of learning. When I'm on the playground, I get to see how kids are interacting. I get to see how our adult supervision is going. I get to see the conditions of our grounds and our equipment. Uh, when I'm out front in the morning and after school, I get to see the flow of traffic. What are we doing well? Where are there safety concerns? So it, it isn't just a gimmick about being in the cafeteria or on the playground or out in front of the school. I, I get to do a lot of learning and thinking and see how systems are working and operating. Wow, yeah, that, and I think that's very important because sometimes people hear the complaints or they have the email and they said, you know, this is not, you know, not working for me and everything. And they'll say, well, I'll get around and look at it. But sometimes when they see it firsthand, it's a, it's a different story. So then you always have, that that what's going around for so it's amazing you make that and then you know speaking of you know making the priority what what was the writing process i mean you have a busy schedule what is it like trying to write with both jay and ryan also very busy people writers under their belt i mean what was this process like trying to get you know you know principles and action out out in the world here well it started for us by co-presenting at a conference in 2017 
at the National Principals Conference. Oh, we, okay. we came together and presented a session on principles in action. And we had never met in person until we presented together. We were just connected through the Voxer group and through the Twitter chat. So that's how it started. And we had since shared at other conferences, uh, sometimes by ourselves, or Jay came to Minnesota and presented with me. So that's how the idea started. But I think the process of writing a book uh, is different for everyone. We, we each started to define some chapters and some topics, and, and we worked independently in the same document. Um, though uh, Jay and I got together in person in La Crosse, Wisconsin, about halfway between, between the Twin Cities and where he is in Wisconsin, and spent an entire weekend just communicating and sharing and talking and writing. Um, mm. getting down to the wire and we needed to get things finished. So it was sort of like a writer's retreat. That was, that was important for me to have that dedicated time together. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean, me too, writing two books myself. I remember when I did my life, you I mean, you, you know, my books, I know you purchased them both, but like when I did my life as a comic book reader, my artist lived in a whole nother state, another state, her and I were just constantly between emails and pieces and we never really got outside a couple Skype hangouts to really communicate very well versus when I did small hope, my artist was living, you know, 20 minutes from me. She'd come over sometimes we'd have lunch. We talk about pieces. We got together for some uh, night events. So we were able to have much more of a, you know, much more, uh, inter uh, more intermediate uh, meeting. So that way the book kind of flowed better. We finished things a lot easier. And I think the process was better that way. Cause I know there are other writers. I mean, you know, I, how many books I read, but sometimes when they're, you know, co-written, sometimes that other person outside of Voxer or, or Skype email or FaceTime, you know, they might never meet. And yet they're, you know, on a shared Google doc trying to finish this book and right. crossing their fingers, it was going to come out right. I know when uh, Shelly Bergeris and Beth Hoffman wrote uh, Lead Like a Pirate, it was kind of a combination of two. They met in person, they wrote, they emailed, they luckily got together again, kept going. So the process was one. I mean, you and Jay luckily were able to, you know, get that part out. And I know Ryan was, you know, involved too while you guys were traveling and speaking. But I, I think some people who are writing books don't know, like, it's one thing when you're writing it, you're on the schedule, you're private. When you're working with other people, you, you, you lean on each other to, you know, meet your goal and get pieces together and really, you know, come up with something that's amazing for everybody to read. And sometimes that immediate um, intermediate kind of uh, meeting together and retreat really does pay off in the long run. Right. And technology helps. Uh, um, Ryan and Jay and I had many Google hangouts and conversations as we were talking about structure and framework and ideas. Um, and as we planned and prepared for uh, the first presentation we gave, yet technology has certainly helped uh, with collaborating across the miles yeah i mean technology has come i mean i even look at current like comic book writers their artists might be in the middle of spain on a completely 12-hour difference and then they're you know they're able to luckily send and skype and go along with the process i know way back in the day when jack kirby and stan lee did they had to meet in the office every day at seven and they'd leave maybe at nine o'clock at night by the time fantastic four was supposed to hit the printers the next day so they never you know as they say they 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 lived in their offices so you know it's it's amazing what technology has 
proven in that. And, you know, in that process, um, being a leader, what do you believe is the best advice to give to those who are looking to, you know, find their own leadership or, you know, their own pixels in the classroom? I mean, you've, you've definitely had a history. So is Ryan and so is Jay. But what do you think is the best advice to give to those who are hoping to be a leader in the classroom or at least maybe into a school system or district? Uh, the advice I would give uh, to a building leader, and I think it can apply to a teacher in the classroom or other educators who are in another support role, is you have to find a support network. Even if it is your grade level colleague and teammate, even it might be if you are fortunate enough to have an assistant principal, but too often educators are in these places feeling isolated. Uh, that and again, technology has helped. Um, I found colleagues and friends through Voxer and through Twitter, which then sometimes leads to meeting in person. But you have to find a support network because it is an isolating position. My professional learning network, they listen to my challenges and struggles. Um, they celebrate my successes and I take a lot of ideas away from them. The things that I do to be a principal in action, I didn't start them all, I didn't think of them all, um, but because of the connection with others through social media or in person at conferences, then I get the benefit of uh, more advice and more ideas and more experience. And I think a PLN really does play a really key role in that. Um, I remember, because like I said, I actually started on Twitter in 2008. I was involved with some guys for a Green Lantern podcast of all place, which I actually hosted. It was great. And Twitter was still new about that. And then, you know, once I switched and gone into the school system, I was like looking for these ideas. I was building an iPad program with teachers and other people. And the yeah, relationship was huge, but I was kind of going like, I don't have anybody to lean on. What do I do? And my principal is the one who actually pushed me back onto Twitter. And I ended up meeting Tony Vincent, moving on to there, helped me meet Barb Greenberg, which got me to learning Dave Burgess, led me to meeting people like you and Beth and tons of other people. People. But yeah, later on with Voxer too, it's been nice to have the international connection with people because, you know, people have given me ideas. I've given people ideas and vice versa. And sometimes it's been very supportive too. I mean, because let's face it, I mean, we're in a you know, roles that can be very draining, very stressful. And sometimes we just need to lean on each other to give us ideas or ways to, you know, handle, handle everything. And it's just amazing, you know, how much you know, people have risen and given us these PLNs to lean on or us to create people like Adam Welcome or Ryan or you or Dave Burgess. And I think people don't understand that they don't have to feel isolated. And something I didn't know for a couple of years, I did feel isolated. I luckily had a good leadership team in all my schools and my current one. I luckily have a very amazing um, division leader and I have Future Business Leaders of America and I have a relationship with other teachers. So it, it, it's a nice to have that professional network to really communicate and get out, bounce ideas off and really kind of learn and reflect on failures and mistakes because I definitely know I've made them in the classroom and as an administrator and sometimes the PLNs are like well you got to reflect and you got to figure out how do you make it better or where do you go from here and I mean that's one thing that's great about that and yeah people have to realize they don't have to be isolated in that matter. Right it for me the value I have received from others is just 
immeasurable. I, a tough situation. Um, advice is just a box away or a tweet away, um, a Google Hangout away, a text message away. So I count on others to, again, celebrate the successes and to help me through the challenges. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, I mean, it's amazing when you can celebrate the successes too. And it's, it's amazing, especially when you can even share it to what you know, you see it in your schools, your school celebrating milestones, your students, you know, getting their first, uh, you know, shared tweet out there or their first way they've actually, you know, got certified for Excel. It's, it's, it's amazing when you can, you know, celebrate those. And, you know, sometimes I don't think we sell show the celebrations enough unless it's more of like, well, they won teacher of the year. Or we made national board certification. That's great. But there's small celebrations we can do. I mean, I try to share as many as I can. Even when I've got my students like, look what they're doing. Isn't this amazing? This is one of my hardest classes and they are showing success and innovation. It's like, I've reached them. They're learning it, it's amazing when you can share share out those kind of successes versus yeah none of my computer works my wi-fi has been pulled i've gone here we did a walk out on the you know, 40 degree drain wrote and flew a drone that's that's how we're celebrating our failures today we're gonna mm -hmm. just make some good videos and use it for a project in a few days <laughs> but it, it's nice to share out those well, actually, I think that did really well here. I mean, usually I try to do here with the podcast within 20 minutes. So, um, I mean, is there anything else you want to discuss, Mark, while, we're, while you're on the line here? Uh, no, I, I think the, the themes that we talked about, um, making connections, being visible, celebrating successes, um, find ways to... Also, self-reflect. I mean, sometimes I've given, I've received some feedback about that everything looks positive and I'm only sharing the good things. Well, that may be true, but as you know, we learn from the challenging days. We learn from the mistakes. We learn from the failures. And you also have to admit that, that sometimes things are tough, but there are people out there who have experienced the same things and that can listen to you and can give you advice and support. So even though the outward appearance might look like everything is always great, no, all of us are having our own challenges and difficulties, but find others to lean on and who you can get support from because uh, th that they will help carry you through. And I think that's important because I absolutely agree because we all go through them. I know I've had them to myself too. So it's, it's, it's amazing we can lean on those people. Mark, thank you so much for being on the Pixel podcast today and taking time out of your busy schedule and, you know, <laughs> battling your little cold here. As you can see, I've been coughing a little bit on my side too today. So thank you so much for, for being a part of this. You're welcome. Congratulations. Um, I am impressed by you and what you do and the launch of this podcast. So um, keep doing the good work. Thank, thank you, Mark. Yes, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long road trying to get this up and going. And it's, it's something I'm very happy to finally happen. And 
just keep going from here. So I've, I've even talked a couple of my coworkers being on this, like, you want me to be in? I'm nobody special. Like you do something special every day. I think you can do this. And they said, you know what, let's do it next month. I said, perfect. You know, like, and the good news is you can just walk into my room. <laughs> good. I look forward to continuing to learn and listen. Thank you. Same here, Mark. Thank you so much for being on here. And uh, everyone, thank you for joining us for today on the Pixel Podcast. Please uh, share out and please leave us a review or subscribe. And we will see you next time on the Pixel Podcast.